Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Tulani Mbazini, an inspirational individual who has worked with and beyond for 13 years at Pinder Private Game Reserve. Tulani started out as a contractor in the Habitat team, then worked as a professional tracker for over eight years, and is now a well-established guide within the team at Pinder Forest Lodge in South Africa. Tulani, where did you grow up and how did you come to work on and beyond Pinder in the first place? I grew up in Kwachobe area, which is not too far from the property, is further north of here, which is the only thing that was making me to work with and beyond Pinder. My older brother is working here. So when I finish my metric, I was planning to go to study to be a teacher. But at home, there was no finance to send me down to the university or college. My older brother then gave me an advice that if there's any opportunity of the temporal job in Pinda, he will ask me to come if I don't mind to work in a bush. Then I said, no, it's fine. Lucky enough, in the same month in February, I mean January 2009, then I get a call from him. Then he asked me to come here. Like in the next day, I came down here. I think the first job that I was getting here to work, it was going to be a three-month contract to do some clearing around the fence. So you have been working on Pinder for, for 12 years, 13 years? Yes, 13 years. Incredible. <laughs> and you started out as a contractor clearing alien vegetation. Uh, was that the first time that you'd ever actually worked on a reserve? It's my first time ever worked in my life, and it was the first time working in a reserve. The alien plant, it was my first permanent job. Because okay. I've been going through three stages as a, a casual worker. I started as a plant, like a grass cutter under the fence. As you know, Pinda has got a fence around. So in summer, when you get the heavy rains, the, that grass is gone very higher, get to where the electric wire is. Then it will stop the wire to work, the electric wire. So we were cutting those grass. They were given us, I think, three months. We finished that like within even half a month. Then they turn out to give us other job in order. So they ending up we ending up working with a, a vet the one that used to touch nyalas kept them in a bomb when they sent nyalas away so i was there for a long period of time i think i was there for six months because if we are not doing that we used to work with habitat team helping them with everything tell me about your life growing up did you do anything that might have predisposed you to eventually becoming a tracker for um, for the reserve? Yes, when I grown up, I never ever think that I would work in a reserve in my life. But the kind of job that I'm doing now is based on that it was helped me a lot when I was growing up. At home, it used to be a lot of livestock, kettles. So which means when I was going to school, I used to take those cows out to the field where they graze. Then on the, when I came back to school, the first thing 
how I used to do before I go to the soccer field because I used to play soccer by then. I used to follow track those cows from where I was released them from the crawl, release them all the way until I get them, collect them back home before I do my own thing. Then I know I'm done with the cows. So the interesting things, like the tracking like a wild animal, it is as similar as if you're tracking your cows at home. Because if you've got a cows at home, each and, in, each and every head has got a dominant cow, which is you have to know the tracks of that dominant cow. Mostly it would be a cow, that would be lead the cows. Then I used to know three cows in a head. Otherwise, I was going to spend a lot of time tracking someone else, cows or cattle. So you used to know three different cows' specific tracks? Yes, in a head, wow. to my head. Then that was helping me a lot, because if I pick up that tracks, I know that I will follow them until I get there. Mostly when they go to the water hole, they mix up with a lot of other cows. So from there, they will live as a, a family group, as a family heads then you used to follow yours from there until you get there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you when, when you were um, tracking these cows? To be honest, from the very young age, because I'm the last born at home, I was nearly not even get to school. Because okay. I'm the one that was looking after the cows at home. I was, by then I was around 11, 12-ish. Because I was only started my grade one, I was in the age of 12 years. Okay. I was very old. So you started school quite late? Yes, quite late. And it was a place to me because my mom, she was not educated. According to my family, no one that is educated except myself and my brother that I'm behind him, which is we are both of us got metric. So I was out in a field with my friends looking after the cows early morning around 80s in January, saw a lot of kids walking past us, going to school. Then I said to my friends, why we are not going to school? Because everyone is going to school. They were started to laugh at me. Then from there, I go straight back home to ask my mom, lucky enough she was at home, to ask her that mama like to go to school, to study as anyone. Lucky enough, she said to me, don't you worry, get, into the, get your clothes and get a shower, go up there. I got a big basin get to wipe my face, then I got onto my clothes without the uniform. Then my mom, she said to me, maybe you are the one that will change this family if you go to school. Wow. <laughs> then I go to school, we speak with the principal. She speak with the principal. She asked him that I brought my son. I don't have a money to pay him a school fees. I remember it was 25 rand by then. Mm. We used to pay the school fees. It was 25 rand. My mom, she said, I don't have money. Whenever I got it, I'll come to pay it for him because he wants to study. And the principal accepted that. Second request from my mom, she said, she doesn't have a uniform too. So I will ask you to be patient with me. As soon as I get money, I'll buy him some uniform to get to school. This is how I was getting to school. Since from then, I never came back, never looked back. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. <laughs> So you so you started when you were twelve, and yes. then even during school you still used to spend during time tracking the cows before doing any sort of sport. Yes, even when I was working here, I'm the one still was looking after the cows at home. 
I think the reason why we ending up get lost all of our cars, cows at home, it was because I was getting drunk. Because there was no one looking after no one look those after cars. Because I remember exactly they were only finished in 2011, the first year when I was starting to join the trekking team. This is where I was getting a call from home that all, some of the cows were lost, some were died during the draft, then ending up with no cows at all. I guess if you already had some skills from tracking yes. your, your cattle, was that one of the reasons that you wanted to eventually become a tracker? Did anyone in particular encourage you to become a tracker at Pinder? Mm, to be honest, no one was encouraging me about that. And that was not a reason makes me to become a, a tracker. Only thing that was making me to want to become a tracker, I was wanted to save money to become a teacher at the end. I was giving myself five years to work in a company. Okay. Then from there, leave the company, go to start. Only thing that was making me get more interested to being a tracker. Um, at school, I've done travel and tourism. So I was asking myself that why, because I'm in a company now, in the same stream that I've done at school. So why am I trying to get a chance to get into it, like in a tourism sector, in a hospitality sector, so I can keep going in order to keep on keeping one thing in my mind, to want to be a teacher, I might do something differently. If you started originally trying to save money to then study, to become a teacher, what is it that made you, um, made you decide to stay? Only thing that was making me to stay in a company, it, uh, it, it is a long story, but I will try not to make it short. You can tell it as, <laughs> you, you can tell it as long as you want. Um, I only started saved in 2011, when I was starting, starting trekking. This is where I was starting to make a lot more money. I saved very well from there to 2015, which it was a, a year that I was planning to leave job. Then I speak with my mom that I will leave job, go to study. She said, she said to me, that is a good thing, because all along I've been telling you that you don't have a baby, you better look after your money to do something that you wants to do. Then from there, the same year, my mom, she got sick very badly. She got ill. Then she got to the hospital. She got back. She got nice. Then the same year, I got a baby, my first baby. While I got a baby, my mom, she got sick now and then, go in and out in the hospital. Then she, then I speak with her while she's sick. Then that I got a baby, but I'm still wants to go to study. She said, no, it's fine. You can go to study. I'll look after your son. Don't even worry about anything because she was getting a grant from the government by then. Said, I will look after your son fellow, well, don't worry. Even I will support you there at school if you need anything. Then I was happy planning, but only thing that were making me not going in, in 2015, I said I will only go in 2016 instead, because I want to look after my baby to see him, how things is going. It's going to work to stay with the mom or not. Then unlike in 2016, my mom, she passed away early in March. Now it will be, no one will be looking after my son. Then I got a good amount of money that I have to go to study. And I got a baby, no one will be looking after my baby. Then I decided to stay in the company now, cause I got a job in my hand. 
in order to lose my lose my job and ending up getting my family get to sacrifice hunger i'm better to look after them with the job that i have so from there i took all the money that i used to save to buy the cows because at home by then it was no cows in 2016 end of 2016 i buy eight cows then i buy a lot of stuff to pay my girlfriend because at home i'm the last one when the mom passed away all my sisters and my brothers have got their own houses i'm the one that was going to be left at home with my brothers two sons that he was passed away that they were under mom i'm the one looking after those two boys and my girlfriend and my son i decided to pay the hair a dairy so she can come to stay with me in the same house then looking after these babies then all my plans were changed from there I decided to create my own family from there. It sounds like you've worked really hard, yeah, really hard <laughs> to create your own family and and look after yes. the wonderful family that you mm. have. Yes. Going back a little bit, you obviously started as a contractor working to to clear vegetation and then you became a tracker. What kind of training did you have to go through to become a tracker? Obviously, you had a lot of knowledge from, you know, from um, being a young boy tracking cattle but what kind of other training did you have to go through to become a tracker for and beyond the kind of training that i go through on it is what we call a tracks and sign which is this is where you have to get an access to become a professional tracker that you have to go through which is you look thing each and every animal that you can think of in a reserve from the insect to the big mammal have to know all those tracks as well as tracking animal on foot which is we call it a trailing track animal until you're finding it those are the kind of thing that I was doing which is I was very lucky when I joined the team cuz Seth Foster that time he used to be a a tracker assessor here in Pinda So I was staying at in a central offices at Iswe as a habitat worker. When I was getting my driver's license, he's the first person that I was speaking with that I wants to join a trekking team. Then he accepted that he said start now to learn tracks. I will help you there and there when you need some help. Then he organized a a senior tracker here at Forest which was called Sikampo. to go down there if he's not driving to take me around to learn tracks and sign then that guy helps me a lot to learn tracks and sign when the chance here came i applied as well to become to try my luck i came down lucky enough i get a level 1 of tracks and sign as well as a trailing so when you when you're doing trailing you have to follow the tracks in order to find the animal yes you have to follow the tracks if you like enough to find animal you are lucky to find but they are not looking that you do find the animal or not they are looking that how are you how is your ability to follow animals on foot including things like awareness and safety yes yes those kind of thing do you have any particular memories or moments that stand out for you when you tracked and found an animal and um, as some of your your best memories yes there's a lot of best memories that was happening because when i was started here 
It used to be a big male leopard that used to dominate in the area. They used to call him men's male. I've, I've heard of stories of the men's male many times. So when I was started here, I used to work with Dumi Kwabe, a senior ranger in Pinda, which he helped me a lot because he's the one that was teaching me how to track. Then I used to track that male each and every drive in my psyche working in Pinda. Like in six weeks, I have to follow him almost every day. I was only not following him if he crossed out of the other property. So I remember one day, we wake up early morning, track him from like Flay Lodge side all the way. In terms of kilometers, I'm not too sure, but I think it would be like around 12 fish, 15 or so, to get to the northern gate of 1-4, where we were finding him. As we got there, he was just crossing the fence into Mkuse side, which I was very happy and proud of myself, keeping with him all the way down there. Until so the you final. followed his tracks for 12 kilometers? Yes. That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> and it makes it even more difficult that it's a leopard is a solitary animal. Yes. It's, it's not like you're tracking a herd of elephants or pride of lions. Yes. Where you can, you know, as long as you have the track of one animal, you have the group. Tracking just one leopard for 12 kilometers. Yes. Incredible. Especially moved in and out from the bush. Sometimes we lost the tracks, walk on foot, trying to see which direction is heading to, then get back onto your tracks. And what else, besides just following tracks, what else can you use to try and tell you where the male leopard might be? It's like your, what a, what a way, the instinct of knowing the animal behavior. For example, if you've gone into a there are some stages where you can't see tracks when there's a taller grass, even on a road. But if you know the animal behavior, this is how it helps you a lot. And knowing the movement of the animal. Because if, for example, if the animal is heading like in a southerly direction, so you lost the tracks, but you know that it's heading this way. You can look even any sign it could be like a smell from the leopard when it's urinate. You got that scent smell like a peppercorn mm. to use to get that and turn out to move into a direction where he was heading to. Then ending up getting into a spot where you get a nice soft scent where you'll be seeing tracks again. Amazing. So you worked as a tracker for eight and a half years? Yes. And during that time, did you have any guides that you really liked working with and eventually what made you want to become a guide? Yes, there are rangers that I worked with. There are three rangers that I was permanently with, with but not at the same time. I started with the Mekwabe, which I was enjoyed a lot, and he was helping, helping me a lot because he was a senior guide, teaching me, giving him some advice as well as an old person to me. Then from there, I worked with Berim Tembo, which we enjoyed a lot because we were similar same age as well. <laughs> so from there, I worked with Carrie Smith as she's now a head ranger. I think this is where I was getting more motivated to become a guide one day. Yes, I've been wanted to be a guide in my life while ago. Soon as I started to the trekking team, I tell myself that if I become a guide, I don't think I would think anything else to be doing it in this company. This is where I will end. Lucky enough, she kept on advising myself, 
give me some chance to speak with a guest, helping me in terms of English, to speak English. Sometimes my English is not that great, but uh, she helps me a lot to fix now and then there where I was speaking badly English. So she gave me some advice that she will be here, but not too longer. She will be very happy before she leaves if I get a chance to go Etienne to try my luck. I said, yes, I like it, but I'm scared because I've got a family that I'm looking after. If you go in Nguazi, sometimes if you not make it, when you come back, you are not like, if you come back, you have to go back to your permanent position. Sometimes you will feel like as if you didn't do well from the other team. They'll say, ah, oh, what you were trying to do because now you're getting back. She said, no, don't even think about that. Once you go there, tell yourself that you're going to make it. Those are the advice that I get from her. Then it was helped me a lot. And the person that she was pushed and pushed, it was our lodge manager that she used to be here, Clinton's wife, Dan Murray. She pushed me a lot because I was ending up going there to the pre-course. From there, it was April when I got back, she gave me like a lot of newspapers to read stories and the quasi sent some lot of questions for me, like a general questions to answer. I remember that time I was having, I was don't even have a smartphone. I was using a small phone, which there's a friend of mine. Always if I came back on a game drive, I used to sit in a ranger's room, borrow his phone to answer those questions, get onto internet to Google those, which it was helping me a lot because when I get there, I was able at least to speak English. Yes, there was a time when I, I get there, there was a lot of white guys that were English, which I was let myself down sometimes that, oh, these people don't speak a better English than me. But at the end, when I was getting the enjoyment there, I was forgetting about all those. And, uh, and have you been able to teach anyone to speak Zulu during your time? Yes. Yes. Because I used to share a tent with Dino. He was coming from Jobek. Yes. He was hardly to speak Zulu. But if you meet him now, he speaks Zulu very well. Really? Because we were with him for six weeks in a tent. And when we came here, we were a roommate okay. for another during three, the second, four months. Second, second phase fix. of training. Yes. Okay. So we were not speak much of the English because I was hoping that oh I get someone that is speaking English how if I don't understand him but he was pushed me to speak Zulu because he was wanted willing to learn Zulu as well <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying oh so why I was worried there yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, and um, you mentioned the um, the Inquasi Ranger training course as well as the, the pre-course um, yes. the, the pre-Inquasi training course that you went on are there any favorite memories from the Inquasi Ranger training course that, um, that sits in your mind? Yes, there's a lot while I was there. Because the one that I will remember as a group of 12 that we were there, we were ending up like eight of us, but that eight of us, we were like a family. We were love one another and everything we were sharing together. Even now, we are in contact with everyone. So only thing that I learned a lot there is like the communication and form the bond between the people that you met with. 
As a tracker, your job was integral to providing a seamless guest experience. And tracking and finding animals is a, a real skill. Do you feel like starting off as a, as a tracker helped you become an even better guide? Yes, I think it is. Because if I look at now, when I'm guiding, um, yes, I rely on to my tracker because it's doing its job there. But even to me, it's easier because even sometimes, especially I'm tall enough, I'm working in the north, which is a center soil. I can even see the tracks over the bonnet because when I'm sitting, I can be able to see over the bonnet. So I'm a guide, yes, but still I've got that feeling that if I in a vet, I can track. <laughs> and it must be really nice for the tracker that you work with to know yes. that you can provide a second opinion yes. if you're trying to find an animal. Yes, yeah. It helps a lot. The bigger privilege to start it as a tracker and again to work in the same environment where you have been tracking, it helps a lot because all the animals here, I know their movement. So when I'm going out, I know I'm sick that if the animals were left there, I have to go this side I'll come across with. That what was helping me a lot. And what do you enjoy about being a guide? Now that you've come from um, being a contractor to tracker to a guide, what do you enjoy about being a guide? And in particular, what do you enjoy about being a guide at um, and beyond Pinda Forest Lodge? I enjoyed a lot to be a guide because I've been willing to get this opportunity for a long time, which I was scared to approach the management to ask to get onto Nguazi to become a guide. But when I get that chance, I was getting to where I was wanted to be at the end, especially to work at forest. To me, a forest now, Forest people, it's like my brothers and sisters. Because I stayed at Israel for only two years. Then from there I moved to forest. I know these people as I know myself. So if I get a chance to change lodge in Pinda, I don't think I'll be able to, I will be happy with that. Especially here, it's very closer to my house. Mm. Even to get to my home, it's only half an hour in terms of driving or be at home. And what do you like about working in the north um, versus the south of Pinda? Here it's easier to track. It's not like a hard ground as in, in the southern part of the reserve. Got a lot more sandy soils up yes, here. Yes, here it's a sandy soil everywhere. You can't miss the trails. And what about the sand forest? I like time? to drive through the sand forest, especially I like to walk in a sand forest. I've done a lot of, lot of walks here because each and every set of guests I get, I try not to make sure that I sell a walk in here. It's nice to walk in even in summer. Mm. If you do feel warm, you can feel your body that you are warm, but you are always staying in a shade. The whole walk, maybe three, four kilometers, you stay in a shady spot the whole time. And there are a lot of unique animals that you can see. Yes. Yeah. In terms of bait, small antelope called Sunni, red diker, if you are in here, always you are hoping to come across with those antelope in a forest. 
And um, what was it like during the start um, and towards the end of the pandemic? What, what were you doing at Pinder during that time? Mm, I went home as everyone from the beginning of March when it was started. I was only at home for one month. End of April, I got a call to come back to the beginning of May. When I was coming back, the company was started to introduce the world earth as well as the short stories like Instagram stories. So when I got here, I was mean or I was called to come to do those short stories of Instagram. I used to have a smartphone, but a very slow phone, which is the internet it wasn't great. So I was asking a head ranger, Kerry, that I'm very scary because I'm still new on guiding to being like on TV. Why am I not maybe looking to what we are doing first before I come into it? I'm generally shy person. So lucky enough, they were decided to make two vehicles a day. One vehicle will be a trekking vehicle, second vehicle, it was a a wild ed filming vehicle. So I'm the one that was tracking the animal that the wild ed was formed. Wow. So that, although you weren't able to, you weren't guiding at the time, yes. you were still helping to track and find yes. all the different animals. All the different animals that they were viewed on TV, that I'm the one that was tracking that. Wow. <laughs> and beginning of June, there was a wild ed team. I mean, a, geograph a national geographic team that were coming here the two brothers that were here for a month. Then I was working with them for three months, trekking. They were changing like guides. So we were dealing, following the lands every day. Unlucky we didn't see any kill, which is the thing that I like. Oh, really? Yes, but we didn't see any kill. I remember there was an incredible video. I think one of your guests might have taken it. Of yes. The lioness chasing, and do you remember that? What yeah. was that sighting like? <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing sighting, even now if I'm thinking about that. It was a nice sighting at the end, like at the same time, it was a scary sighting. Because when it was happening, if you look carefully on that video, both myself and Tracker, we were going on the side. Because as you know, the NPN vehicle, it doesn't have a door in a driver's seat, in a driver's side. So that Impala was coming straight onto me and it was getting very close. I think when Impala was going to jump over, I was worried about the lion because mm. the lion is heavy. What if it's land on us? <laughs> <laughs> that I was ending up closing my eye lie on the other side. Lucky enough, Impala, when he saw us moved, he changed his direction. He jumped all the way over the bonnet. Then the lion, go, the lion goes straight into it as well. How, how did that unfold? Did you, did you find the lion initially or did you respond to the sighting and then the lion started hunting? I responded to the sighting. We were looking at the lions, we were two of us, myself and Dawn. Then he found them. I came on to him, like far from where the kill was happened. Then we saw them that they are on a hunt, but the air was open, nothing. Only thing that I was hoping, because they gave up along the way, but I was hoping because they were moving in a tree line. They were in an open grassland. You can tell that there's no animal, but the way they were moving into, I knew that they are going to get something, some nyala or 
impala there. So they were walking in the tree line yes. next, next to the open area. They were walking straight in a tree in an open grassland. Okay. Moving towards where the tree line are going to start. Okay. I was waiting them to get in there so I can start to follow them. I was staying behind them, like we spotted in Yala from far distance, the lioness spotted it as well, to the edge of the woodland. Then one lioness go to stalk because the grass was very tall. She stuck very close to where that impala was. Then we came like maybe we were, I think it was 50 meters away from us. Then that lioness, she got very close, maybe like 10 meters from that impala. Then impala saw it. It ran very far away, in an opposite way, in an open grassland. Then Impala realized that where it's going is way too open. I think that Impala was thinking that land is behind it. Then it decided to come back to where the woodlands is, where it would cut a nice cover for itself. Where we were parked, there was a loudness that was lying next to us. Then the loudness heard some noise coming from the grass, which it was Impala running towards us. As that impala came straight on to us, the loudness that she was caught is the one that was lying down next to us. Cause impala, as it was started to realize that there's a lion right by, this is where we start jump over the bonnet of the vehicle. Then the lion was doing the same jump up all the way, then they wow. catch to the other side of the vehicle. So actually the impala was trying to get away from a different lion yes. and it didn't know that the lion was next to your yes. vehicle. Because I think he saw us packing away. Yeah. Then that impala think, oh, it's safe there because there's a vehicle. But there was the other loudness lying next to us. <laughs> what an incredible sighting. Yeah, it was a nice sighting. Tulani, on your journey to becoming a tracker and a guide, have you been to any other ambient reserves in South Africa? Yes, I've been to the Lowfeld, which is a lodge called Kickman's Camp. I was there for a very short period of time, which it was a week. When I was there, I was just visiting with the regional trainers. They were going there to do some work. Then they were asking me that if I'm interested, I can go with. When I get there, I was asking to get a chance as well to track there because I love it. <laughs> then I got a chance. I think I was tracking for only three nights, a set of guests. I was experienced a lot because it's different from here. Mm. Only thing that I was like about that era, you got a lot more predators than any other animal, than what we got here. Here we got more general game than predators, mm. like lions, cheetahs, and you got a, a nice bigger pride there, which is a love lion, especially if it is a bigger pride. One of your favorite animals. Yes. But the only thing that it was amazed me, the trackers there, which I was experienced, they sit in a tracker seat to any sighting, even in an elephant. It's very different. Yes. I remember exactly there was a spot where I was jumping into the vehicle with my rangers. Everyone was laughing, even the guests, because they knew. I said, no, I'm not going to sit outside when we are this close to the elephants. Yeah. And he was off-roading to the elephants, because yeah. we do off-road for them. I said, no, I'm not going to sit there. I don't like elephants at all because I've got a bad experience with an elephant. Okay. Yeah. So you prefer to be careful around elephants. Yes. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing to be careful around elephants. Besides the difference in predators, was there anything else that you found different? Do you prefer working at Pinda? I still prefer to work at Pinda 
because it's close to my house. Of course. So when I'm going down farther, it will be tough to me to go back and forth to go home. I prefer to be at Pinda, but in future, I would love to go back there to work there. And the interesting story when I was there trekking, I spotted a, a pangolin for first time, which I was not even know what it was, which my ranger was laughed at me. Because I spotted that pangolin at night, it was a full moon, shining with a spotlight in a rocky section next to the river. The, thing, the first thing that I saw, it's a rocky. Then I shine past. When I shine back, I saw that shiny rocky moving. Then I stopped him. I said to him, there's a, looks like there's a rock moving there. Let's check what it is. From there, he was like going mad, stopping the engine, running out, like clapping his hands. Everyone was getting hit. I was surprised. Why is that? said, oh, pangolin, pangolin, pangolin. Everyone was jumping into it. Everyone was responding. I, I think, didn't even know what the pangolin was. I think I came to that, <laughs> I think I came to that sighting as well. <laughs> yeah. And now, I mean, now Pinda has such an incredible um, conservation program with pangolins. Do you get to see them a little bit more regularly now? Yes, only when there's a guest experience booked it. I'm very lucky to get guests that they love to book it when they came. So otherwise, in terms of driving in a bush, come across with them, chances are very slim. Mm, very I slim. only responded to the twice sighting of them, but I was ending up not getting to see it. When I get there, always it was gone. Disappeared. Yeah, disappeared. And Tulani, what advice would you give to anyone who wants to grow to become a tracker or a guide with and beyond? Uh, to be honest, only advice that I can give to anyone that wants to become a tracker or a guide, don't look like in terms of finance in a department. Look what he wants to do and focus on what he wants to do. For example, if he wants to become a guide, especially to the trackers, try not to ask some ideas and some help ending up like shows that to the management that one day you are willing to become a guide as well. Because if you want to become a guide, for example, myself, I experienced that. When I was trekking, I was thinking what else I'm going to do now in a company. Because I've been trekking like eight and a half years. It was nearly like become 10 years for me being a tracker. Only thing that I was thinking to do is to become like a safari host because to be honest i was already getting tired to be a track i you, was you already felt like there was something more yes, that, you more that i can do only thing that was stopped me to become a safari host i'm not good on technology in terms of computers which is i don't like to do a job that someone was doing it for me so with that to someone that still wants to become a guide check with your head ranger check with the lodge manager or a general manager to raise that point that one day you want to become a guard. In case, if the chance came, they might send you in. And once you get there, yes, it's difficult as every new thing, that new challenge that has come to you, but you'll end up making it. Thank you for chatting to me today. It's been so lovely to hear about your incredible life story and all of your amazing experiences that you've had as a tracker and a guide. 
my next question is, what do you think is next for you? Um, for now, as I'm still new in a guiding team, there's nothing much that I'm looking forward. It's only one thing that I'm looking forward, which I was hoping that maybe this year I'll be doing one or two walks. I want to do, you know, exactly like a grade two walking. I want to be a qualified grade two walker. Can you tell me more about grade two, grade two walking? Mm, a grade two walking is where, as a guide, it allows you to take guests in a big five animals on foot to viewing them okay. and come back with. Okay. Which is, yes, in a qualification that we have from the, according to the government, we are allowed to, but the end beyond is very sensitive in terms of a safety point, which is good. Okay. You get more trained to become that qualified grade two walk. And even then it's, it's, it's buffalo, elephant and rhino. It's not the cats. Yes. Okay. It's only the rhino, buffalo and elephants. Only thing that you have to do, you have to be like 100%, 360 degrees awareness. Walk into the elephant, to the animal, viewing it, moving out without the animal knowing that they were there. Wow. Without disturbing their natural behavior. Wow, that's incredible. It sounds like an incredible experience. So that's that's what's next on the horizon for you, being yes. able to, to take your guests for walks to see rhino, elephant and buffalo. Yes. Amazing. Especially this time of the year, it's cold. All the rhinos, they are in a woodland. So if you are qualified, you are a grade two qualified, if you get guests, all your set of guests, they are not going to leave in without getting to see a rhino. Tulani, thank you so much for spending the time and chatting to us today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.